Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. So I want to talk to you about fatherhood. I want to talk to you about being a family man. I want to talk to you about in practical terms. And so if you are a father, this is going to help you. If you're going to be a father, this is going to help you. If you are a wife, please don't torture your husband with this. Um, but, but, but we can all learn. Amen? Amen? Can I say before I get going, if your father was the worst father in the, in the world, he taught you what not to be. All right? And, and that, there's so much truth there. My father was never there for me. Okay, well then you learn now to be there all the time for your kids. So, so I don't want to talk bad about anybody that didn't do any of this stuff. And what I'm going to talk about, <clears throat> we're all in a work in progress. Amen? Nobody does everything right. We're all a work in progress. But I want to keep it uh, practical for you today. But to be a father I, and, and have a family, it is God's design. It is a very divine thing. There's something very spiritual about a family. It's, it's God's design. And so the devil's very much against it. He, he wants to tear it down. He wants to ruin it. He wants to destroy it. He wants to dent it and, and ding it and, and come against it and so forth because it, it, it's God's design. And so... Fathers, we should not take it lightly. This is the most important thing we will do in life. It's the most important ministry we're going to have in life. It's not your job. It's not your stature. It's not how much money you make or what you achieve, any of your accomplishments. It's to be a father. That's the most important thing you'll ever be. And so you have to pay attention. And you have to work at it. So it's, it's not just going to fall in your lap. But you are a generation molding parent. You're molding the next generation. You're making the next. And, and you know something? They are God's children. Your children are God's children. He, he puts them over there to you and he says, now do what I would do with them, if you would please, because I want godly sons and daughters. And so he says, I want you to shape them and mold them. This is a great responsibility. But the reason that a lot of fathers drop the ball on this is because there's a lot to it. And so it, it's, it's easy to try to, uh, to, to sometimes uh, abdicate our responsibilities because there is a lot to it. I'll tell you, it will not just take a certain something that you are as a man. It will take everything you are as a man. It's not just part of who it is you are. It's every part of who it is you are to be a father. It's going to take all that you have and all that you've got. It's not going to be easy. I want to give you four quick things it's going to take. It's going to take effort. It's going to take intellect. It's going to take time. And it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take effort. Right off the bat, you're going to have to work at this thing. Raising kids is work. It's awesome, but it's work. Don't complain because it's work, because it always was going to be work, and you just can't complain. But I think it's interesting that when you first become a dad, the first thing you learn is about poopy diapers. Right off the bat, it's effort. It's going to be effort. And, and you have to figure this thing out. And it's not easy to figure out because you need to have four hands and, and, and a shield and, and goggles and all kinds of things. <laughs> right off the bat, God, God has a sense of humor. He says, this is just the start. And it's funny, the smaller they are, the, 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 the soupier they're. <laughs> and it's kind of funny, like in spiritual terms, I'll give you a little theology because you're in church. But, but sin is like a poopy diaper. You know, the longer you don't deal with it, the worse it gets. 
and, and the longer you don't deal with it, it starts to get on everything else. You know, it starts to go up the back, gets into the shirt, it's all over, it's coming out the sides and it's all over everything, it's all over you. Isn't that true? Sin is like a poopy diaper. There's your theology for today, you've been to church. But remember that when you're messing with your sin. You got it all over you and you're the only one that think you don't stink. Secondly, it takes intellect. I have no use for dummies. I got no use for you. If you're a dummy, you can't be a dad. But guess what? You're not a dummy, so don't come with that excuse. You have to use your brains. You, you got to use your brains because this is going to take thought. All your kids are different. I don't care if you have 10 kids, they're all different. And you have to know that. You have to know how to work each one of them and how to deal with each one of them and so forth. You have to engage your brain. And I want you to know something. God has made you smart enough to do that. You just have to choose whether or not it's going to be you. Because we can, we can, we can, you know, we can push over into the dumb part. You know, I'd ask your mother. I don't know. I'm clueless. I'm like a dope. I'm a dummy. Ask your mother. I'm, don't ask me. I don't know. It's not true. You're abdicating your duties. You're smart, and you have to use your intellect if you're going to be a good dad. You've got to be smart. You've got to be engaged mentally. Now, I, I don't say that. I don't say ask mom every now and then, because especially if you want to get out of something you know is going to come back, you know, to, 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 to be a mess, you say ask mom, because this, this is not going to end well. That in itself is pretty smart. third thing is time. Time is the currency of life. Therefore, it's the currency of love. If, if you love, you're going to have to invest your life. You're going to have to invest your time. It, it's not going to be, it's not going to be something that just comes because you know your kids' names. You have to spend time with them. You have to be with them. You have to know why they're in a certain mood because you have to, you pick it up. You can sense there's something going on here. You, you got to spend time with your kids. You need to know them. You need to know them. You need to know what's on their phone. You need to know what they're watching on TV. You need to know who their friends are. You need to know who they're talking to. You got to know. You got to spend time with your kids because you're downloading all this information. You're a giant radar dish. You're pulling it all in. It takes two. You know, it takes, it takes the mom and the dad. It takes two. But the dad cannot be out of that equation. It will take time. And then it takes sacrifice. To me, this is a mentality. It's just a mentality. Sacrifice. Did you take those points down? We're, we're barely learning how to spell. <laughs> sacrifice. You, it's a mindset. It's not about you. In fact, the you part of you is about them. The part of me is that I'm a dad. I'm a father. That's part of who it is I am. I, I'm not going to... I'm not the... I'm not the great golfer of the future. I'm not the great this or that or whatever it is, a motorcycle guy, whatever. I, whatever it is, first, I'm a father. I'm a father. And so guess what? You, ha you have to understand it is going to be sacrifice. It is going to be sacrifice. You are going to have to put your life on hold. Guess what? It's not about you. It is about them. <laughs> it is about them. And let me tell you something. 
you can't take you out of the equation. If you like to golf, that's going to that's gonna fit in or whatever. But, but when it comes to family time, you have to make room to say, no, no, you know what? It really is not about me. And the same thing goes for church. Same thing goes for church. You know, we're, we're, I, want, I, I want to get to these points here. The first thing you need to understand that you need to be, number one, I'm going to give you seven of them, is you need to be a man of God. You need to be a man of God. These things are important. I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily want to put them all in order, but this one is. First and foremost, you have to be saved. You've got to be a Christian. You don't have to work at this, all right, now what would a man of God do? If you're saved, if you have Jesus as your Savior, this comes naturally to you. You are a man of God. You look like a man of God. You sound like a man of God. And I want you to know, the greatest thing you can ever do for your children is to be in love with Jesus Christ. That's the greatest thing you can ever do for your kids is to be truly saved. Not just a religious person. I go to church. My wife loves the church, so I go with her. That's a good dad. No, no. You've got to be a man of God. You have to have your own relationship with the Lord. Can you say amen? Now, a, a good father will knit his kids to the reality of the Lord. I want to talk to you a little bit in this, this whole message about what it means to knit your children to the things that are immovable. God is immovable. He is an immovable part that they need to be knit to. It, 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 the Bible is an immovable thing. They need to be knit to the Word of God. Listen, everything comes from the Word of God. I, I trust the, the Word of God. I trust prayer. Prayer has to be real. The Word of God has to be real. And the house of the Lord. I want to knit my children to the house of the Lord. This is an immovable thing. What do we do on Sunday? We go to the house of the Lord. It is an immovable thing. But our family from Pennsylvania is coming up and they're staying over. Fine, come to church because that's where we go on Sunday. I knit my kids to the house of the Lord. Well, they wanted to go to IHOP before they headed back to Pennsylvania. We love you guys. Have a good trip. Have the pancakes on me. We go to church. Listen, listen, let me tell you something. You do that because you're knitting with like nylon threads. You're knitting your children to the house of the Lord. You're knitting your children to God, the immovable things. You're knitting them to the principles of the word of God. Because when they get to be 13 and 14 and 15 years old, there is a giant temptation pulling them into the world. I hope you have enough nylon threads connecting them to the immovable things that they don't budge. But it doesn't happen in a day, and it doesn't happen because one time you say, well, I guess we should go to church. It happens because over the course of a lifetime, you are knitting them to these immovable things, to the house of the Lord. Amen? And I want you to know they know what, what moves you. They know what moves you. If you're always telling them how great they are at sports, it's unbelievable, John. You could be the next. You could go and make millions of dollars and then buy me a new house. It's never going to happen. You're going to give to them a wrong value. And the next thing you know, all of their friends and all of this temptation and all that, the, the, the threads are connected to sports, they're gone. Not very any, many amens there. But listen, your kids are going to know what you value. Johnny, you know, when I was your age, I had a paper route. I saved up. I bought my own bicycle. I had $200 in the bank. I was on my way to success. At your age, I already knew what it meant to have a good deal. And, you know, guess what? They're going to grow up to be cheap, fearful about money, always talking about money. 
because they see it in you. It's most important that you're a man of God. Can you say amen? amen. Most important. Listen, I had a life-changing experience when uh, my son was about 10 years old, I think, or somewhere in that neighborhood. And, you know, I've always been into motorcycles. I've raced them my whole life, raced motorcycles in all kinds of racing, road racing, dirt track racing, motocross racing, did it all, loved it all, had all kinds of bikes my whole life. And I got out of it, and we were in the ministry for a while and so forth, but I bought a, I bought a dirt bike, and I started getting back into it a little bit. And anyway, it started to become an obsession to me. My wife would tell me that, my wife and the Holy Spirit, or anyway, she was talking to him, he was talking to me. <laughs> Both of them were wrong, you know. And I was, I was thinking about riding, and I was tinkering on my bike, and I was buying new bikes, and I was doing different things, and you know, in my garage and all that other stuff, and and still pastoring, still preaching. This goes back a, a, a few years, maybe, like I say, he was 10 years old. And he gets up one morning, I'll tell you, I had a life-changing experience. He probably doesn't even know this happened, but he, he says to me, Dad, I had a dream last night that you died. And he says, I was so sad. I ran downstairs, I got my mini bike, and I started it up, and I just started practicing round and around in the yard, and I said, I'm gonna be good on this mini bike. I'm gonna be the best on this mini bike. He's telling me this story, and I'm sitting there trying to hold back the tears, and I said, is that who you think I am? Is that where you think my values are? Absolutely. Out of the mouth of babes, here comes this truth. I'm getting a check from the Holy Spirit where God is saying, you better change your value system and what you prioritize. Can you say amen? amen. Your kids know what's important to you, and it's not sports. Amen? You wonder why your kids aren't on fire for the Lord, but because you put a value on all these other things that don't matter. Yes. Secondly, number one, you're a man of God. Number two, you're a faithful husband. A good father is first a faithful husband. You know the quote that says the most important thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. You know the vows that we say on the wedding day, we say uh, to be a faithful and loving husband I give you this promise until death, until death do we part. A faithful and loving husband. I want to talk to you just briefly about unfaithfulness. Because when you're unfaithful as a husband, you're unfaithful to your children. You're unfaithful to your kids. And you think you're just betraying your wife. In fact, you don't even almost think that that is what's going on. But I'm telling you, you're betraying your children and you're betraying their future. You're about to bring a breaking into their future that they can't recover from. The most important thing you can do as a husband is stay faithful to that marriage. Stay faithful to those kids. When people say, all the days of my life, I'll be faithful to my wife, but, but they leave that little crack of the door open unless some incredible temptation comes along. But guess what happens? Not even an incredible temptation, just any temptation comes along because that crack is there. The devil is trying to pound this thing open. He's trying to work on this thing because you leave that little crack open. You have to say, I will never betray my wife or my children or my children's children. I will never be unfaithful to them. A faithful husband. Now, I, I, I could preach a three-week series on this. I just want to sum it up by saying this. You think you're not going to get caught. 
When the temptation begins to happen, you deceive yourself and you think you're not going to get caught. Can I tell you something? You always get caught. You know why? Because the devil wants you to get caught. It's not about the affair. It's not about the temptation. He's not hoping you have this loving side relationship for a long, long time. He's saying, just long enough for me to ruin the family. Don't say amen. The devil wants you to get caught. And if the devil doesn't want you to get caught, which he does, God says, be sure your sins will find you out. You're always going to get caught. You're always going to get and that's not why you don't do it, but just, just so you know, when you begin to step over there, you're getting ready to say, you'll all be ruined because I'm coming over here to this temptation. I'm going to ruin my marriage. I'm going to ruin my trust. I'm going to ruin my reputation. I'm going to ruin my stature. I'm going to ruin your future. All right, pastor, move on. You know, one more thing I'll just say about that, but God says, well, let me just summarize it by saying this. It's almost always involved in divorce. It's almost always involved in divorce. And the reason is because even if it's not a physical act, it's a thinking that I will go and be with someone else that begins to open that door to divorce. All right, I'm just going to leave that there, but something for you to think about, and the Bible backs that up. The third thing is that you have to be a leader. You have to be a decision maker. You have to be wise, just, and fair. You're going to have to be a leader. Again, you cannot abdicate this duty. You can't push it over to the, to the wife and to the mom. You're co-leading, yes, but the husband... Now listen, this is something you can jump up and run out of here if you like, but the husband is the head of the home. He's the head of the home. And what happens is, when that starts to break down... And when, when, you know, you don't want to make mom mad. And so you know uh, whatever we need to do to keep mom happy. It's not whatever we need to do. Listen, we are going to be a family. But, but we're, not going to, we're not going to be run by an upside-down craziness and chaos just because mom gets mad. The husband still has to be the head of the house. Amen? And, 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 and she can co-lead that thing, but not from, from a usurping authority. We're going to co-lead this thing. All of her grace and all of his grace are going to come together. We're going to lead this thing together. Can you say amen? amen? Many times I can't fault the woman. I have to fault the guy because he abdicates that, that duty. And, and he begin to say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Ask your mother. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, guess what? You abdicate that duty and pretty soon you're not the person who has anything to say in that house. And when it comes time where you really need to say something, you can't because you've given over your voice. So all of a sudden now, you know, you can't be the head, you can't be anything. It says this in Timothy, a deacon must be the husband of but one wife and must manage or must oversee his children and his household well. God is saying this not just about deacons, but he's saying this about fathers. You need to be able to manage your children, oversee the house, oversee the the household as a, as a leader. You know, fatherlessness comes in many forms. And a lot of times when we just check out, look, I, 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 I'm a big man on cap campus at work, but when I come home, let somebody else run this place. And we check out. The Bible also says the Lord disciplines 
the ones he loves, just like a father disciplines his children. God does it just like a father does. The next thing is you have to be a listener. I'm going to kind of switch over to the kids here, get away from the husband a tiny bit, and, and, and switch over. But you have to be a listener. A listener. Do we not have that one? Anyway, write that down. You have to be a listener. A father has to be a listener. It takes time to listen to your kids. There have to be long periods of listening before your kids will actually say what they feel. Sometimes we, we, we just want to talk or just, we, we just want to, we want to teach. But, but it comes time to just listen. And, 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 you know, you have to tell your kids, listen, whatever it is you need to say, I don't want you to think I'm going to be judgmental or I'm going to be harsh or I'm going to be angry because, you know what, they will find someone to listen to them. I pray it's the mom and the dad and not just their, their peers, not just their friends. Dads, you, you guys have to be listeners. You know, um, I told this story before, but Nancy and I were looking for a house closer to the church because we're back and forth and back and forth every day, day in and day out, you know, several times a day. So we were looking for a place closer to the, to the church, and we found this piece of property literally two minutes from the church. And uh, we went to put money down on it, and, we, and it couldn't make the deal happen, and, and we, we, we wanted to pay exactly what they were asking, but it, it, the deal kept falling through. And I remember begging God and, and talking to him about it. And I remember saying, God, why on earth would this not be a good thing? And I felt like God spoke to me and said, because I want you spending 15 minutes to and fro bringing your child, your children to school. Not just two minutes. I want you to spend that time. And so as we would ride in the car, I, this was precious to me now. God counts this as precious time. I, I would use this time just to listen to them. And every now and then, I mean, if they would ask me a question, I would ask it back to them because I wanted to get the conversation going. Dad, what do you think about this? Well, I don't know. That's a good question. What, 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 what do you think? Let's talk about this. I want to listen. I don't want to do all the talking. I want to be the person that knows everything. Well, I'm just going to give you my impression. No, how about if you, how about if you throw it back to them and become a listener? Because you know what will happen over time, they begin to trust to be able to talk to you. If my kids would tell me something crazy, I would wait two days before I would try to come around and attack this thing in an intelligent way, come around to this thing, because I'm not just going to snap down their throats. You did what? You did what? You said that. You can't do this. You what? You can't do that. You have to say, you have to hold on to the steering wheel and say, Goy. But I gotta think about this one. <laughs> and and if you don't say anything, they'll say some more, and then they'll say some more. And here's what here's what Johnny was saying, and here's what Sally was saying, and here's what they're doing in school, and here's what they're talking about, and here's what oh, really? Wow, what do you think of that? Wow. And 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 resist, but then maybe a couple of days later say, you know, I was thinking about this. Now they're listening. Can I tell you something? Listening breeds respect. Listening to a child breeds respect, and respect is a mutual thing. It goes both ways. If I want them to respect me, I have to build respect into them. 
I have to build it. I respect you to listen. I'm not going to jump down your throat. I'm not going to talk to you like you're an imbecile. I'm not going to talk to you like, you're, like you, you don't know anything. Can I tell you, when you're raising children, when they're 8, 9, 10 years old, they're easy. They just do what you tell them to do. They're actually looking to you. Tell me, what were you doing? When they turn 13, they become geniuses. Some, and this is biological, but something in their brain says, I can reason, and I think you might be wrong. In fact, I'm convinced you're wrong. And then they begin to argue with you just because they're able to take another side. You know, there is another side, and so they begin to figure out, I can spar with mom and dad and actually beat them, you know. But here's where the intellect comes in. No, they can't because you're relentless. They're relentless, but you're relentless. Amen? When they're 13 and 14, that's when all of a sudden you really have to start to be on your game. Because I've heard parents say, look, I tell my kids, you're going to church. That's it, period. That's the end of it. You're going to church. How old are your kids? Eight, nine, ten? Yeah. Well, then you can get away with that. When they're 14, 15, and 16, and they say, I don't want to go to church, you better be on your game. You better have bred some respect for your word. You better have listened to them and reasoned with them in the past and not, not condescended to them because now all of a sudden I'm going to tell... You know, the important thing is not to tell... You can tell them when they're 10 the what, but when they get to be 13, 14, and 15, you've got to give them the why. And they begin to appreciate that and understand it. Can you say amen? And then the next one goes along with it to be the t teacher and the mentor. In Deuteronomy, it says this about the principles of God. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What it's really saying is live these principles. Live them. Let them be a part of you. That's why I say you have to be a man of God because you're in love with Jesus. It's, it's not that I, 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 I understand tithing and, you know, I guess they want you to tithe. No, no, I'm in love with Jesus. I understand the Word of God. This is a principle we, we live by. Can you say amen? amen? It's just a steadfast thing. It's who we are. It's what we live. And, and I've seen the blessings of God. Let me tell you, and I was talking about this the other night, but you criticize the church. It gets so toxic into your kids. There's all kinds of things wrong with the church, but be smart enough to not talk about it in front of your kids. Not only that, but be smart enough to know the reason the church is imperfect is because we're all imperfect, including you. And so I, I want to I breed love for the house of the Lord. <clears throat> we love the church. We love going to church. Yeah, we love Uncle so-and-so, and they're going back to Pennsylvania, but we love the church. Daddy has to be there because we're in ministry. Mommy has to be there because we're counted on. You guys, you guys love the church. We understand that. Amen? Amen? And all of a sudden, this is a principle that we just live in and by. Amen? Because it just get, it's, a part of the, it's part of the uh, DNA of our family. I demonstrate. Teach, mentor your children. You teach and you mentor by sowing seeds, not by jamming something down their throat. You do it because I said to do it. That doesn't work when they're 13, 14 years old. 
It doesn't really even work when they're 10 because you're sowing the wrong seeds. The seeds I want to sow are seeds of wisdom and, and grace and principle. I'll sow these seeds. They're just seeds. And, and you know what? It's going to bring up a harvest. You've got to be smart enough to know I'm not just saying nothing. I'm sowing seeds. And I'm not going to jam it down their throat. You're going to church. You hear me? Or I'll knock you over the head. Get in a car. Because guess what? I'm sowing seeds of do as I say and anger and violence and force. I'd rather sow seeds of the why behind the whole thing. Amen? Can you say amen? Dads, can you say amen? And then this is going pretty well, don't you think? I mean, I hope so. I'm telling you things that you guys are clueless. You're sitting there. I don't know. I always knock my kid on the head, tell him to get in the car. All right, I won't do it anymore. The, the next thing you need to be is a friend. This is so important. But this, again, takes a lot of work. You have to relate with your children on every level. So when they're, when they're, when they're uh, nine months old, you have to relate to them at that level. When they're, when they're a year and a half, you really have to relate to them at that level. A lot of hugs, a lot of cuddling, a lot of, a lot of touching, a lot of playing, a lot of stuff. And then, when, and then when they're three and four and five and six years old, a lot of touching, a lot of friends, a lot of cool things. You know, can I tell you, Dad, sing songs to your kids. The, worst so the, the worse the song, the better they like it. The more off-key you are, the better they like it. The more they like it. The dumber the song, the... The fact it doesn't rhyme, all of that stuff is so awesome. Your kids will love it. Sing songs to your kids. I would sing songs all the time to my children. You know what? They sing back to me now. You know, like I, I forgot we sang that song, you know. But, but sing songs. I remember singing to Chrissy uh, when we were at Six Flags. Chrissy and Daddy at Six Flags. Chrissy and Daddy at Six Flags. Chrissy and Daddy at Six Flags. You know. My, bro, my son's on the other side going. <laughs> Relate to them on their level. Sing to them. Tell them stories. Tell them stories. I say to my, my grandson now, I'm starting to tell him stories, you know said, this farmer had a red tractor. He loved the red tractor. Judah, he's so smart, he tries to change the story. Papa, blue, blue tractor. It used to be blue. But he painted it with red cotton candy. So now it's a red cotton candy tractor. You, you, can't, you can't change that. You know? You're not going to change a red cotton candy tractor. You know you, what I'm saying? You've got to be intelligent here. This kid's trying to change the story on you. Next thing you know, he's telling the story. We can't have that. My story. Listen. But it's so funny. My grandson, he, 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 he's a riot because uh, he's not just listening to the story. He's, he's taunting me. So I say, I say, one day. And he goes, oh. And I'm like, ah, I get it. 
you know? So I, I do it back to him. Well, you know. But you become their friend. You become their friend because they are going to have friends. When they're 14, 15 years old, they are going to have friends. I pray I'm a better friend. I pray I'm a more fun friend to be around. I pray I'm a friend you can trust, you can walk with, you can tell anything to. I pray I'm a friend you can look up to and honor because I, I've, 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 I've walked all these years and I've been working on, I've been knitting this friendship. I've been knitting it because all of a sudden there's a, there's a pull. Nancy would come to me and she would say, I don't like that friend that uh, Chrissy's hanging around with. And instantly, okay, we have to destroy this. <laughs> Years later, Chrissy will come back and say, thank you that you protected me and watched over me and guided me because you were right. There were some people that had some bad things in, in, in mind. You got to be a friend. You got to be fun to be around. Fun to go on vacation. Not a grouch when you have to go to the beach, dads. Not a grouch when you have to go to the beach. I'm telling you, this is where it's a mindset. It's a mindset. It's a sacrifice. The beach to me is like a, it's like a vast wasteland of hot sand and noisy people, all crowded. And here I am, I'm dragging this cargo behind me. Like, like, like I say to myself, I know how the pyramids got built. It was by guys like me. I feel like an Egyptian going through this sand. But I'm telling the kids, we're going to have fun. <laughs> and look at my wife. You carrying the sunscreen? You doing okay with it? But you, you have to enjoy. I tell you, Nancy's been the planner of vacations all, from day one. But you've got to get into it. You got to get into it because this is where memories are made. This is where this is where these seeds are sown and these 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 nylon threads are knit you close that this is so so powerful in the future. I want to end with this. Finally, you got to be a source of life. You have to be a source of life. I remember consciously uh, Nancy and I saying when the kids walk through the door we celebrate them. Because we never want them to walk through the door and say, "Where have you been?" What have you been doing? What took you so long? What's going on? What's this I hear? Get in here. We never want to embrace our kids with anything other than celebration initially. Then we get over to the where have you been part. There's plenty of time for that. So when our kids would come through the door, we would celebrate them. Hey! This is what you're going to expect every time you start to come close to this house. We love you. You're awesome. We love you. And then secondly, a source of life, I would gather myself together as I would get out of my car. I worked all day. I'm fried to, to, to a crisp. I've been on the phone. I've been talking with people. I've been having to do all these different things, but now I'm home, and I would gather myself before I walk in. But when I would open that door, I would go, Hey! And you know what? As empty as I was, emotionally and every other way, that's, that's pretty much all I had to do. Hey! And they would come running up to me. I instantly would feel electricity, start to build my battery up. In 30 seconds, I, I could feel the energy coming from my kids and my wife. 
No, all of them for sure. But you have to be a source of life. You have to be an uplifter. I would say this, you know, I'm not, I, again, don't worship your kids when they get into sports. The very thing that they're going to be good at, the devil is going to try to yank them with. If, if they're smart, he's going to try to yank them with smart. You know, now they're going to Harvard and they're, sit, and they're standing underneath the most brilliant atheists in the world. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think you're smart, so you're going to succeed because God is going to bless you. I think you're good with sports because you have a lot of motor skills and God is going to bless you. But I don't think you're going to be a, a person that misses church every Sunday just because you know how to kick a soccer ball. I know one little boy said to his mother, and he was unbelievable in soccer, my miss church. 16 years old, could have had scholarship, never played soccer again. We make things big. We make big things out of stuff. Be an uplifter. But having said that, go to their games. Teach them to ride a bike. Go to their first day at school. Be their dad. You've got to be there. You're, you're the uplifter. You're the supporter. You've got to be there. You cannot check out. <clears throat> I'm going to close here, but I want to say there's lots of things I left out, like be a hard worker, provider. They, they get that. They'll see that. Be a protector. Kill all the bugs, you know, that come in the house. Dangerous moths, things like that. <clears throat> Jump up there and kill them. Be the last-minute science fair creator. Teacher says to Chrissy, this looks like just a bunch of stuff nailed to a piece of cardboard from your father's garage. <laughs> oh, no. It's global pollution. <clears throat> be the taxi driver. Be everything that you need to be. Amen. Would you stand together? I want to pray for you. We didn't get too far on the list when you said, I'm missing that. That's all right. That's all right, because the Lord covers. The Lord covers. And we're going to take the information, we're going to take the inspiration from today, and we're going to build on it. Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.